Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I'm your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and also a keynote and TEDx speaker and author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of information for all sorts of things related to wellness, positive psychology, my own spin on it, which I call goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating, and lots of other things. It's also the place where you can recommend upcoming guests for future podcasts. As listeners are well aware, our podcasts typically have as guests people who lead their own lives enthusiastically and have different ways of helping us to be the best versions of ourselves. So today we have somebody who's really a special treat for us because she shares some of the same space that I do, both philosophically and in terms of the populations that we work with. Kathleen O'Brien began her career actually as an advertising copywriter and went on to forge her path as a successful television broadcaster in three major markets. She built a video production company from the ground up, serving Fortune 100 companies nationwide, while simultaneously making a name for herself as a prolific voiceover actress, model, and screenplay writer. Having worn many different hats over the course of her media career, Kathleen eventually brought her industry knowledge to the classroom, where she taught media relations at the University of Michigan, and the Indiana University Graduate School of Business. Through her interest in aging, Kathleen's media background served as the perfect pretext for understanding the functions of aging in modern society. Her curiosity about aging finally came to a head with the approach of her 60th birthday, which is a milestone that now represents the beginning of a riveting second act. Kathleen spent the following 12 years researching aging and eventually found herself back in the classroom, this time teaching her own philosophy on aging through the University of Denver's continuing education program. Kathleen also has written a book that has recently been published called Reclaim Your Right to Grow Old which takes a deep dive into society's misguided attitude toward aging and highlights the wonders that lie ahead for those of us who dare to grow old. You can find her book on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And uh, some of you may be really surprised because some of the things that you hear from Kathleen aren't what you normally hear when we think about growing older but really great stuff. Now, before I introduce her, I got to mention one other fun fact. Kathleen was once dubbed the most heard voice in America by the New York Times. So those of us who are old enough to have dialed 411 and asked for directory assistance throughout the 80s and 90s, Kathleen's was the voice that you heard. 
Anyway, uh, that's a, quite a an unusual distinction for a guest on this podcast. So aside from everything else that she brings to us, we have that other special fun fact. Kathleen, it is such a pleasure to have you on Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Really looking forward to this interview. Oh, thanks so much. It's so good to be here. I really appreciate it. And we do have a lot to talk about. I know we agree on a lot of things and maybe some things might be, we might oh, part company a little bit. But yeah, this, this will be a fun conversation about aging, how to prepare yourself for it and how to enjoy it while you're in the middle of it. Well, we'll both be talking from experience, and I would certainly hope that we don't bore the listeners by both thinking and feeling the same way. So we're totally <laughs> looking forward to, to the conversation. But before I start, I, I just got to ask you, I've never talked to the most heard voice in America. <laughs> How does somebody, I, I don't know, in school, I don't know that you could study for it. How, how'd you do it? How well, you've that? actually talked to the most heard voice, I'm sure, Ron, when you called 411 back when people <laughs> did that. What happened is that there was a company that actually began the technology called Voice Response. And it is responsible for those voices you hear everywhere now. When you call up a company and they say, your call is important to us, please hold it. That all began with voice response years ago. So I auditioned for the job of the voice response woman, and they wanted someone who didn't have an accent, who could articulate syllables and, uh, you know, whose inflection was easy to follow. And I got the job. I was an advertising copywriter. It was sort of a sideline gig, you know, that I would do. But my voice has changed. I like to think it has matured. But there was a time when it was more when it was younger in tone and uh, maybe richer in tone. And I did it for a number of years and it was a lot of fun. Well, for whatever it's worth, I can tell you that I it never, whenever I dialed, I never thought, how did she get that job? <laughs> perfect for it. Uh, but let's let's talk a little bit about aging. Um, sure. But let me lead into it by saying, you know, I mentioned the various things, not the, just the voiceover work and, and the directory assistance, but also advertising, copywriter, model, uh, TV broadcaster, video stuff. Can you just give us the short course on your journey to <laughs> becoming, you know, a, an aging guru? Well, I... I like to think that it has a lot to do with curiosity, Ron. I got into advertising copywriting because I love to write, and I just thought it would be fun to be able to write headlines and copy and use my creativity every day. And I was curious about it. What does it take to, to write ads? And I worked on national accounts, and I had wonderful people I learned from. So when I felt I'd learned a enough about that. I took my writing skills to broadcasting. That's how I got into broadcasting. And again, there was a real curiosity about it for me. What, what's it like to be in front of a camera? What's it, 
What's it like to be on the air every day delivering news and interviewing people? It was a lot of fun. And then after that, I had a uh, video and film production company. And again, there was always this interest in, well, what would that be like? I could bring my skills together, the writing and on-camera skills. And uh, so I think the same can be said for my journey into researching aging. Because when I was about to turn 60, I thought to myself, boy, you know, I'm starting to get old, or at least it felt that way then. And I wasn't real happy with the way society viewed older people. I thought, particularly having been in broadcasting where appearance is everything, I thought, oh my gosh, do I have to spend the rest of my life trying to look young, be young, feel young? When actually, you know, time is working against me. Those are hard things to do as you age. It's, it's sort of unnatural. So I started researching it and I was delving into ancient cultures to see what people had thought before we came along, thought about aging and also other cultures. And what I found was startling. They didn't have that view that our society has, has rather at all. They talked about being old as being the pinnacle of human achievement. This is what you strive for. This is where you want to be. This is what your whole life is about, is to get to this point where you have maturity, perspective, and wisdom that younger people are working to have. And a lot of young people do have some of these qualities, but it's really hard to have all of that until you have a number of years under your belt. So that was turning sort of our cultural view of aging upside down. It was saying, you know, trying to be 30 again is kind of a losing proposition. Why don't we feel better about being 70? Why don't we take pride in the fact that we are at the pinnacle of human achievement, if you will? The qualities older people have are extraordinary, and our society does not take advantage of them. And as older people, we're not necessarily proud of them. So that's what my research was about. And it really changed my attitude about aging. And I just turned, Ron, on Mother's Day, I just turned 73. And I feel wonderful about it. I am such a different person today than I was 30, 40, 50 years ago. Those years were very important because we had certain roles that we took on then, but we have different roles now. And pretending to be young gets old. So since you've done research on it, how did it, it sounds like it's almost like things regressed that, you know, that, that in ancient societies and, and not so ancient ones, wisdom was associated with old age and lots of positive characteristics, as you're saying. Did a switch get turned? Or I mean, why, <laughs> why are we not still experiencing that? Well, there are several reasons for it. I think Western civilization puts a real uh, emphasis on productivity, and our idea of productivity is being out there, earning money, 
being in the fray, mixing it up every day. And, and in order to do that, you've got to kind of have that aura of youth and energy. And I think there's nothing wrong with having energy as you age. I have a lot of energy and I always have had. But uh, there are a lot of people who are aging who, for whatever reason, may have disabilities, they may have cognitive issues, they may not feel like they did when they were 40 years old. And we shouldn't malign them because of that. Productivity in an older person is all about giving back to younger generations, advising them, counseling them. It's also about going inward and preparing yourself for the inevitable <laughs> when you get very old and then, of course, you die. So other cultures put a lot more energy into what an older person's role is, and, and they respect it. And in our Western culture, we still see, we want everyone to be young. We even want little kids to be little adults sometimes. And we don't realize that the human life cycle is made up of a number of stages, and each one is important. And elderhood is just as important as childhood in the development of each human being. And so uh, that was part of it. Another thing that's sort of interesting that I discovered that kind of turned the switch for a lot of cultures was the, the evolution of graveyards. And uh, Jean Bouillard, you may be familiar with him, who is a psychologist who studied death, among other things. He said it was one of the most consequential maneuvers in human history when we stopped burying people in our backyards or along the trail or wherever we were and started putting them in graveyards because we were beginning to separate ourselves from the dead and also separating ourselves from people who were nearing that point, i.e. older people, so that was kind of the beginning of, eh, I don't know, I don't want to think about death. I don't necessarily want older people around me so much because they remind me of my own mortality. So I think, you know, all of these things kind of feed into to our fear of old age and how we view older people and even older people. <laughs> you know, we, you and I, Ron, sometimes we get caught up in this too because it is our culture. So we sort of have to fight that, I think. Well, in terms of fighting that, here's where we may have a little bit of a fight. I you know you and I have both been quite productive in our in the second half century of our lives, which is kind of a term that I like to use. But I don't know. I see people who are pretty much sedentary, uh, not overly ambitious in terms of learning. And I always think, geez, that's kind of a waste. I'm not sure that you look at it the same way, but uh, I'm just wondering, in order to enhance the experience of growing older, what, what are we supposed to be doing? Is it more an internal thing of appreciating it? Are there, are there milestone things, measurable things? What is your concept of how to age appropriately? Well, I agree with you about activity. and. My book is more about dealing with the aging psyche and not so much about physical aging. I don't disagree that there are 
tied together on some level. I am out walking every day. I walk pretty briskly. I work out. I try to eat food that's good for me. I do like a martini before dinner, but yeah, you know, I'm 73. But anyway, yes, and I know what you're saying. People who seem to lose interest in what is going on around them. But I think what the research I've done shows is that growing old is, first of all, it's different for everybody. Dr. Louise Aronson, who is a geriatrician at uh, University of California, San Francisco, says about her own practice, when you've seen one 80-year-old, you've seen one 80-year-old, which of course means that We're all so very different as we age. And I think it was Robert Butler, who was the sort of the founder of geriatrics and began the National Institutes uh, on Aging. He said that kindergartners are much more alike than 85-year-olds. There is such a difference as we age. A lot of things go into it, lifestyle, socioeconomic factors, genes, accidents. So you're going to see older people who some people simply can't get out and walk fast like I do every day. And that's okay. You know, I think they have to do what makes them feel good and what's right for them. I think intellectual curiosity is very important but not everybody's had the opportunity to take advantage of that throughout their lives. And that's sort of something that I think you get early on and it kind of continues on. But the role of older people, and we see it in other cultures, the older people are really the keepers of the culture, keepers of our memories. Uh, They're the ones who kind of steady things. There is a process called gentling, that older people do when they come into a situation, a sort of a chaotic situation. It's often like the grandparent who says, okay, everybody settle down. You know, it's going to be fine. These are very important roles for older people because they, they help complete the society. Going inward is important. I think people are much more reflective as they age. And Robert Butler, whom I just referenced, talks about something called life review, which is almost an innate process that older people go through where they look back on their lives and they may grieve for some of the things they didn't do or wish they could have done things differently. But on the other side of life review comes a certain sanguine attitude toward where they are in life. In other words, they feel better about being older. And it is a natural process. And we do need to allow older people to be reflective, to live in the moment, to enjoy little things, to ultimately, it's a time where we put all the pieces together. And if we don't have that time to reflect We don't have that time to maybe ask ourselves the big questions like, who am I? What is life all about? Then we're missing out on the opportunity to take all our our maturity and maybe come to some conclusions. Maybe we can say, oh, I have a better understanding of my place here and in the cosmos and how I feel about life itself. This makes a whole lot of sense, but I'm wondering what about the people who are concerned about 
the brain going bad, the body, you know, breaking down, you know, the notion of sharing wisdom or stuff like that may not seem as high a priority compared to survival. How does somebody break into that notion that, hey, you have something to contribute and without denying, you know, the the things that could be happening to to recognize, hey, this doesn't have to be a depressing time because you've got all this stuff going on that you're pointing out. Yeah, it, it does really go back to respecting older people, no matter what their physical abilities are at this point or their cognitive abilities are. Yes, it's very hard. There is loss in old age. The longer we live, the more loss there is going to be. Loss of people we love, loss of our own abilities to do things. But there are other societies and Eastern societies come to mind where the older person, no matter how frail, is still respected for what he or she put into the culture throughout his or her life and what they can still offer us, even even a gentle smile when we need it, even that look of the older face, which I love. It's so accessible. There's no pretense. You know, a very old person is just to me so beautiful because all of that is gone and you see you see the human being in there and it's it's just touches me so much. And we need to take the time to look at older people that way, because I have to tell you, we're all going to be there someday unless, of course, we aren't. But most of us are going to be there. And don't we want to be respected and loved for who we are, no matter how we look, no matter, you know, what kind of care we may need at that point. We need to stop demanding that older people somehow be productive in the Western sense. You know, are you out there doing things We need to respect them just for having been alive and also having contributed not only to their life, but to lives of people all around them. Well, you've got me convinced. uh, (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) Thinking about my sons in their 40s and some of their contemporaries and stuff like that. Is it my job to kind of change attitudes on their part or are you addressing this in any way uh, because it's a significant thing. I mean, we've when somebody starts on their job, in many cases, they know that, hey, if they work there for 30 years, they're eligible for full retirement. Uh, there's, you know, the, that there's a thought that there is going to be this separation or decline or a, a different category how going to say how do we get them we don't get them to think a particular way but how can we promote this kind of thinking in the general society well i think we have to stop putting ourselves down as older people we have to be role models it's for instance you go to the grocery store and you're at the meat counter and the guy says to you ron what can i get for you young man <laughs> i mean I've heard young lady before. It's very patronizing. I understand that they're trying to make me feel better. But what they're saying once again is being young is good. Being old is not so good. So what I have found myself doing 
in a nice way, because I like to think I'm a nice person. I say something like, well, you know, I'm not a young lady anymore. I'm an older woman and I'm really enjoying my time as an older person. And someday you're going to be older too. And you're going to find out on many levels, it's a blast. So I try to begin in a small way to change the thinking of younger people too. And I think there's nothing wrong with giving advice. I've given advice to strangers, young women. I've got, you know, and again, I always preface it by saying, you know, when I was your age, I did X and And I'm just saying this because I want you to be happier now, and I want you to be happier as an older person. But we have to stop maligning ourselves. We are sometimes our own worst enemies. We don't even like the word old. Well, I tell everybody I'm old. I'm perfectly happy with that word. I mean, wines are old, buildings are old, antiques are old. I mean, there are a lot of paintings are old. So... We need to begin as older people to feel good about who we are. Tell people your age. Tell them, because if you don't tell them, if you're afraid to tell people your age, you're reinforcing the idea that being older isn't good. So stop saying, well, I I don't tell my age. A woman doesn't tell her age. Oh, pooey. You know, tell your age and feel good about it. And pretty soon, younger people will begin to think, huh, maybe growing older isn't so bad at all. We are definitely in agreement there. I think (laughs) mindset is really so key. You know, the mindset that involves acceptance of where you are and the willingness to acknowledge that, hey, you belong in, in society. You have a specific role to play, and much to contribute. And in order to do that, you have to feel pretty good about yourself and where you are. Uh, And you never really feel good about yourself if you're kind of hiding, you know, aspects of you that are are there. Just kind of wondering, you've had quite a successful career in teaching. What what kind of people came to your classes and what, what did you teach them? Well, you know, when I was teaching early on, I was teaching media relations at the University of Michigan and Indiana University Graduate Schools of Business. And they are both very good schools, top tier schools. And so the students were very smart. So, you know, you have to be on your toes. It's it's hard work. And then when I was teaching classes on aging through uh, the University of Denver's continuing education programs and also doing lectures for large audiences there as well, those were mostly older folks. But we had people, I had people in my class ranging from 50 to 90. And I think the younger folks who were there were interested in, you know, they were starting to think about the way our society views aging. Oh my gosh, am I going downhill? And so my message is, no, you're not going downhill. And you need to look at, you need to, your perspective needs to change on this. And then the older people, I have to tell you, Ron, I, I was always a little reticent to kind of tell them what they should be thinking Because my philosophy is people who are older than I have been here longer than I have. 
I mean, that's my whole philosophy of aging is people who have been here the longest maybe have something to teach us. <laughs> so when an 85 year old says, well, I don't know if I agree with you, I listen to that because they are ahead of me in this process. So I always, you know, I I don't want to presume to tell someone who is older than I, more experienced than I, how they should view aging. On the other hand, there were older people there, older than I for, for sure, who said, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. And so these are people who were open, intellectually curious and willing to look at their own old age differently. And so I have to say, I learned so much from all of them. I think I learned so much more from them than they learned from me. But that's, as you know, as someone who teaches, but that's what teaching's about. That's the wonderful thing about it is you give, but you get so much back, more than you give, for sure. And that's definitely what I'm experiencing today, really learning from you. Your idea has been enlightening, fascinating, and really helpful. And I'm sure many of them are contained in your book. But tell us a little more specifically about your book, because I know it's really a a very helpful guide for, for many people who are either struggling with aging or appreciating going through the aging process or will be. Yeah, or will be, as I said, almost everybody will be. <laughs> yeah, I I take, uh, I really take the reader, I think, on a journey beginning, first of all, with, with our Western culture and, and our view of aging and where we are with it now. And then a look at Eastern and what I call enduring cultures, African, Native American cultures, that view aging so much differently. So so I sort of lead the reader along on this path. Talk about people today who are leading edge gerontologists who actually do see this value in ancient philosophy. They may not use that term, ancient philosophy, but what they're talking about is very similar to the kind of research I did on the, on these cultures uh, millennia ago. And then I, I talk about things like things that as an older person, you don't have to do anymore. I, I'm a great advocate for telling older people to do what you want to do. If you don't want to do something, if you're tired of your book group and, you know, you think, well, but I, you know, I've been in it a long time. But if you're if you don't want to do it, quit the book group. I mean, it's (laughs) it's you know, you have a finite amount of time here. I talk a lot about living in the moment and I have a number of meditation exercises throughout the book. I am not an expert on meditation, but what I found is it allows me to be more in the moment throughout my day. Even if I just meditate for five minutes in the morning, I'm just more aware of what's going on about it, about what's around me. And then I have a chapter on death that actually has quite a bit of humor in it. Uh, I think we need to to shine some light on death in this culture instead of never talking about it. And people die, we put them in the ground goodbye. We put them in a graveyard. I mean, there are cultures where people visit the graves almost every day of their ancestors or their loved ones. 
We have this terrible death anxiety in this country, and part of it is because we're afraid to acknowledge it. (laughs) I have a chapter on time and how we can make time our friend as we age and how we can One of the things is what I call the, or I wasn't the only one who called it that, but Leo Tolstoy, the Russian writer, called it the internal I, how he said, I know that there is a part of me inside that never ages. That part, you know, you know what that is, Ron, that part inside is that the little kid in you, the observer, it's this this sort of timeless person inside And why do we have that? What's that about? I think it's so curious. So, and then what we can do as older people to move the paradigm along, the paradigm change of making aging something that people can look forward to. They can see this is a different version of me, but it's still me. And I I need to, rather than dread it, I I do need to be curious about it and, and maybe even embrace it. That's that's really great to hear. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people will appreciate knowing that the changes can be pretty sh- pretty subtle, just in terms of acknowledging certain things, as opposed to doing a major overhaul. Sometimes it's just a matter of tune-up of habits, like staying with a group that's become toxic beyond where where you're benefiting from it, or even if it's not toxic, maybe boring, but uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, the fact that you've done something a long time doesn't mean it's not time to to move on, and and just being able to acknowledge yourself and appreciate who you are uh, is a big step and really being the best version of yourself. So how do we get the book? (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Well, it is certainly available on Amazon, Reclaim Your Right to Grow Old, and uh, on Barnes & Noble and through my publisher, Outskirts Press. But you can also go to my website, growoldbehappy.com, I write blogs. I have podcasts like yours that are available on there that I have done in the past and articles that I am now writing for magazines, periodicals. And there is a link on there to to buy the book. So yes, I, I encourage anybody who is interested in looking at aging differently and feeling so much better about it to give it a try. Great. And the Website is grow old, be happy. All one word, growoldbehappy.com. Okay, and that'll uh, that will all be in the show notes. So as long as, as well as what where the people can get the books and so on. And I believe, uh, well, I, not I believe, but I know you're on social media too. Yes. What it's Facebook and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn. Yeah, I uh, pretty I mean, I don't always like doing that, but I understand as an author, that's something that I have to do. And actually, some of it I really enjoy. I some of the conversations I have on Facebook and Twitter in particular are fun for me. So yes, I I am on there and I would be happy to follow you. And uh, uh, if you're listening in and uh, you can follow me and, uh, you know, we'll get to know one another better. 
Great. Well, this has been such a both fun and informative interview. I really appreciate you taking the time, Kathleen, to spend it with us, help to enlighten our audience, help to enlighten me, and uh, serve as, as a role model for all of us who are either old or who are going to get old and uh, accept the fact that, hey, that's not a bad word and not a, not a bad thing to, to have happen, and, and particularly if you're not fighting it inside your head. So again, thanks very much for being on the show. This has been Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Our very informative and special guest today has been Kathleen O'Brien with the, the multi-talented Kathleen <laughs> O'Brien. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that you will gain a whole lot from her book. All, all the information will be in the show notes. And uh, for listeners, I hope that you will subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. Download, rate, uh, and comment. And more importantly, be back next week when we will have somebody else who's really special who can help us to lead our lives enthusiastically. Again, please visit the website, The Mental Health Gym, and be sure to grow older with enthusiasm. And if you're not there yet, lead your life with enthusiasm, and that will set the stage for being enthusiastic wherever you are in life. And on that note, let me close the podcast out. Thank you all for listening. Thank Kathleen and everybody stay safe.